Hi guys, welcome back to the Nebraska Wedding Podcast. This is episode 7. I am Kelly LaFleur, your host. I own Lacework Films, a wedding film studio here in town. We create timeless, classic wedding films. Today's guest is our first male guest on the Nebraska Wedding Podcast. He is a certified wedding planner. He owns a event services company here in town. And the way he got started in events is quite a story. You will want to buckle up. We're talking about all things entrepreneurship, wedding planning, events, his love of logistics, and how to make yourself a better entrepreneur. I can't wait for you to hear and listen to the episode. If you're listening and you're loving it, hit pause, leave us a review. Without further ado, meet Stephen Finkel. All right. Good morning, guys. I am here this morning with Stephen Finkel from 402 Event Services, and he owns a event planning and design company here in Omaha, and I'm very excited to have you here on the podcast. So welcome. Awesome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It's, you know, it's been something that I've been wanting to do and we kind of had to push it off a couple of weeks just because of our scheduling conflicts. But, you know, I'm glad that we're definitely here um, and able to finally make it to happen. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, I am very interested to hear how you got started with events and everything like that. You, We were just talking before we hit record. You're a male in a woman-dominated industry, so I would love to hear your story of how you got to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So this is is honestly one of the most asked questions that a lot of my clients, employees, and things like that ask me um, personally just because of, obviously, a male being in a very, very female-dominated industry. Um, and the story of how I got started is actually probably unlike anything you've ever heard before because it's honestly it started back in my high school and college days where I would just throw you know those huge college raves those parties things like that and back in when I first started doing them I just got so good and I want to say so well known but people knew me as the party guy like they knew that I was the one throwing all the big parties you know I did theme parties and it got to the point where every single weekend I would have a party and I would had a rented house back when I was in college I was like sophomore junior senior um, all that good stuff. And I rented a house and I won't say solely for the reason to have massive parties, but about 90% to have solid, you know, huge parties. And that's what we started doing. And it got to the point where we custom built window enclosure, window enclosures, door enclosures, things like that. So we would just install them so no one could hear or see anything going on in the inside of these parties. And it got to the point where it was three to 400 people every single weekend. Like, I, and we didn't have to do anything. Like we would just post what the theme is for the weekend and people would just line up outside, literally line up outside. Oh my gosh. Um, and it got to the point where I just was like, Hey, you know, like if people are literally just standing here waiting to get in my rental house for just a party, uh, granted, yes, you know, it was underage quote unquote. Um, but you know, if I can do that, why can't I charge people cover to get in? So that's kind of where it started. I'm just like, all right, whatever. So I hired security, um, and they started charging a, charging a cover to get in to my rental house. So they'd stand at the front door and the back door, and make sure that people, you know, would come and go as they please, but make sure they paid correctly. Then I was like, if I can do this, and I can, and it still that even helped it get any bigger. So it was more so of like I got more people by coming up by charging people, and then if I got to that, I. Once I realized, I was like, you know what, this is a really good business. Like, I like how this works. I was just like, this is this is working well. So I was like, I can take this to the next level where I started running out venues, parking lots, bars, things like that. And we would have to bring in the staging and the sound and the lighting and all that kind of stuff. And we brought in DJs, all that kind of stuff. And it was honestly just massive, massive college raves. Like, we would have thousands of people there. Um, and it was just absolute insanity. And doing that while I was in college and granted I was in college for criminal justice. So I was going to school to become a cop. 
because that was my, my dream was, but I was throwing all of these huge, huge parties. Like, it, and they were like massive. Like, I'm pretty sure we had a couple parties at a couple undisclosed locations that I will not relay where they were about 2000 people in a home. Oh um, and it was, it, like I said, it was literal insanity. Um, and that's kind of where I just fell in love with all the logistics, all of the different components that come together. Granted, yes, a huge nightlife production for a college age crowd is completely different from a wedding industry, but that's where I fell in love with all the different vendors, you know, that you have to be a part of. Cause a lot of different things that people don't think of, you know, the sound, the lighting, the food, the beverage, the fencing, the generators, the power, the heat, the, you know, the fans, you know, the bar service, the cocktail tables, the lint, all that kind of stuff. That's where I kind of fell in love with everything that came, was required to be a component of an event, no matter what it was. And that's when I knew I was like, you know what? I really love being a part of bringing people together under one roof, having fun and making sure it's clean lined, logistically sound. And it's very, very well put together. I was like, you know what? I love doing events. I'm going to continue my college career, all this kind of good stuff, but I know I want to get into you know, events. So that's where I started. And directly after, you know, I started doing all those huge parties. I was then a nightclub manager. Then I did promotions and I was around town and did promotion for ball service, things like that. So I got around and knew a lot of the different people in that industry. And I just kind of fell in love with it more and more. And then I was like, you know what, as I was getting toward the end of my college career, I was like, all right, this is, this life is, it's a very good life and very awesome life. But when you're getting into 23, 24, things like that, and looking back on it now, I don't even know how I did it, but I was like, that is just too much. Like I was just, you know, when you manage a nightclub, when you do promotions for nightlife, things like that, like, you, I want to say there's a lot of drinking, but the bar scene, the bar life, things like the that. The environment, the lifestyle. Yes. Yes. It's just completely different. And it just killed me. And now was just more so of, I need to get out of this, but I know I love events. And from there, as I was still finishing up college, I kind of just touched on, you know, couple of different wedding companies, a couple of different event companies, operations, sales, things like that. Cause I knew I loved them. So I kind of just like, all right, let's just start in, you know, wedding planning and let's just start an event planning and to see where it goes, you know, cause I love doing all this kind of stuff and just bring it all together. And, you know, I've done pretty much anything you can imagine under the sun for any kind of, you know, I don't want to say wedding related events, but events in general, because I've done hotel operations, I've done hotel sales, I've done you know, miscellaneous, just operations for events, production for events, execution for events, sales for events. And then, you know, I also started, I want to say I started another company, but I was a part of another company when it was smaller. And then I kind of helped build that one and just a million different things. So you could probably name it. I've probably done it in some way, shape or form of capacity for, you know, wedding and event planning and execution. I want to say that I've done like, you know, what you guys do with videography or photographers or DJ, things like that. But when it comes to planning, logistics, execution, sales, things like that, you name it. I've probably been there in some capacity. Uh, but anyways, that's where I fell in love with doing the weddings and events. And I just got, I, I don't want to say that I toot my horn or anything like that, but I just got really good. Not because I was good at it, because I found out that I was extremely passionate about it. And that's something that you can't learn or you can't teach. And that's where, you know, and that's kind of what got me where I am today is because I found out that weddings and events are what make me extremely passionate. Um, and so that's when I was like, you know what, there is a niche for kind of how I want to operate my company and how I knew I was going to produce it. Uh, but you know, it takes a while to write a business plan and it takes a while to get everything set in motion, things like that. And it took me about two to three years to write the business plan, to get everything set up, to get it all legalized, all that good stuff. And I just knew that, you know, once I released it, it was going to take off and it was going to be a huge thing because I knew there was a need and a want for kind of how I was going to operate things. Um, and then as soon as I made it open to the public, 
people are pretty much just they jumped on so board jumped on board so quickly and got involved with me so quickly and got me so busy. At that time, I was currently had another full time job, started the company, worked there, worked at the company, and did my full time job for about four weeks. And then I pretty much got so busy from that, I was like, I have to take a leap of faith. I need to quit this job and become full time in this. And that was two months after I started it. And that's what happened. And honestly, that was three years ago. And I haven't turned back since just because, you know, I'm so glad that I took that leap of faith. And I cannot express how many people should try to take that leap of faith. But before you do it, just make sure you have all of your ducks in a row. But when you do take that leap of faith, it's going to it's life changing. And like I said, I will never turn back. I will, you know, I love what I do in my life. I love the company and I love everything that we do. And I would, you know, there's nothing that I would ever do to change it. And I want people to be able to do that and and go for, for what they do, because that's what I did. And I knew, yeah, I knew I was like, okay, you know, being safe, having a full-time job, having benefits, having, you know, constant pay, things like that. And then just going, jumping faith, you know, and not even knowing if I was going to get paid for the next three years is one of the biggest decisions of your life, but it made me so much happier in life. And I can literally tell my family, my friends, all that kind of stuff can literally tell of how much happier, how much involved I am with everything just because I do something that I love. You know, I roll over, I, you know, in bed when I go into work, I'm excited to go into the office or I'm excited to execute events or things like that. I don't just like, oh my God, I hate my life. I don't want to roll into work today or things like that. You never get that with me. And that's just my kind of thing. And that's where we just started everything because I knew there was a need, there was a want, and I just got my feet wet with everything else in the industry. And from there, I kind of just built it into what works the best for, I want to say clients in just Omaha, Nebraska, because we service more than that, but service clients in the Midwest because Midwest execution of weddings and events is night and day difference from anywhere else. And that's just the way it goes. But that's my, you know, that's my pitch. That's how I got started. There you go. There you go. That's have amazing. It. <laughs> what a cool story. Um, so going back, tell us what campus. Where were you at? What school did you go to? I um my campus was UNO. Those are my stomping grounds. Okay. It was it was back in the day. I used to get a crew of about 10 guys, and I don't know why, but we would wear all black. Like, you know, it was probably the worst idea ever. That's hilarious. And we would go around to the entire UNL campus and all the dorms, and we would literally flyer every single door without being seen by campus security. So that's why we thought it would be a good idea to wear black. But when we we did get caught a couple times, and they would go through, and they see, when you see a group of 10 guys, you know, running around in black and all that kind of stuff, you get the cops called on you, and we've had them call on us a couple times with the actual police. Now, campus security came out, and they were just like, you guys can't be doing We're this. We're handing you off. Yeah. So we kind of, they kind of said, you know, get off campus. And honestly, most of the times we would wait an hour and turn around, come right back and then just finish it because they're, you know, they're not going to expect to go that, do, you know, to have that call two times in the next, you know, two hours. So we just kind of finished it. And, you know, people would show up at the events with the flyer saying, hey, this was on my dorm door. So obviously the tactic worked. It's called guerrilla marketing. You know, it works. And that's what we did. But yeah, my stopping grounds was UNL and back in the high school days was Miller North. Okay. All right. Oh my gosh. So I guess going back to then marketing, like you figured out that strategy of flyers on the door. How has that kind of translated into your business experience? And like, have you taken that into different strategies mm -hmm. or different things like that? Tell us a little bit about what yeah. you do. So a lot of that stuff, we don't do guerrilla marketing for our stuff now, just because that it doesn't work, obviously. But I kind of knew the demographic and what was needed back then for that. And it worked. And I've done a lot of research, like hundreds of hours of research and things like that. And I want to say behind how people work, but there is definitely a psychology of how wedding clients work, how event client works, how corporate clients. So every type of client and the way they are, they operate differently. And I have just done a lot, a lot of studying and work on that stuff 
of how to pitch what to who and to when and, and how to sell something this way or how to do things like that, you know, and it's, it's just a lot of time and effort went into it. But I can guarantee you, we have one of the strongest sales process and communications processes that any company, I want to say in Omaha or anything like that, but it's just like, I am very, very proud of that. And all of our staff is just because, you know, yes, yeah, sometimes it sucks that we have to go through and work and do those kind of things at those hours and do that kind of stuff. But then on the return, you know, I can't tell you how many people get We get a review back or you know, someone just straight up say something to us where it's pretty much just saying, thank you so much for how quick you responded or how you did this so quickly or how you were so efficient with this. And it's paid off tenfold. And that's just like I said, that's a lot of stuff. That's why it took me so long to two to three years to write a business plan is because I knew I wanted a solid sales and communication process because that's going to help us tenfold to execute anything, to sell anything, to put together anything. Um, just because, you know, being a part of so many different companies in the past when I was in college and things like that, I saw, you know, I saw anything you could possibly imagine. I saw good. I saw bad. I saw the ugly. I saw good communication. I saw poor communication. I saw good company culture, poor company culture. And so, and, you know, I don't want to say that I took anything in, in my past as a negative because there's definitely things, but anything that I viewed as a negative as my past, I built it into, you know, a God's honest positive. So if it was something terrible that went on, I just knew that, oh, hey, I know not to make my company like that or not to do something like that or not to do it this way and how to do it better. And like I said, it's not it wasn't a negative. It was just I know not how to do things. And that's a lot of it, because I want to say it's failure, things like that. But I mean, a lot of success in business comes from failure, you know, oh, 100 percent. And, and it's more so of not failing. It's more so of how you pick yourself up and move on. And that's what I tell a lot of people is you're going to fail. You know, even if you're professional, accidents happen. You know, we're all humans think things are going to happen. Accidents are going to happen. It's not if you do it, because everyone's going to do it. It's how you pick yourself up and move on, especially in our industry, in the wedding industry, things are going to happen, you know, and, and you, especially of all people know, like you just need to pick up and move on. Like you cannot sit there and fret on it. You cannot do that. And it's just more so of how you pick yourself up and move on. And that's honestly, you know, what a lot of people look at is how you do that because they kind of expect, I want to say for any of us to make a mistake, but they, they know that they're human, so they kind of like, oh, yeah, a mistake happens. I apologize. It's how you pick yourself and move on. And that's what I tell a lot of people is there's a lot of psychology, a lot of things like that behind how people operate, especially in our industry. And that's what, you know, I kind of tell a lot of people is I don't want to say I've mastered it, but I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm very good at it. And a lot of our employees are kind of catching on because I'm training them on how to do that stuff. Because, like I said, it's not like it's, I'm a psychologist, but there is a way to do things in our industry and I want to say towards the budget or towards the type of client, but there's definitely clients that are, I want to, let's say type A, and then there's definitely type, you know, type B clients, things like that. And you just have to go about each different type of specific way, things like that. Otherwise it's not going to work the way you want it to. Totally. So going off of that, you know, talking about specifically wedding industry, if you have um, other vendors or businesses or people who are wanting to get into the wedding industry, I would love to pick your brain and just be like, what are maybe like two or three resources or educational resources that they could look to, whether it's a mentor, a book, a podcast, a YouTube channel or anything like that? What have been, you know, one to three things that have really that you've taken away a lot of value from? No, I mean, for sure. The, t the first one for me um, would be a mentor. Um, and, and, and this can be in related to events and weddings, and it can be in that field, or it can be in, in business in general. Um, 
and the way that I went off of this is I didn't have anyone in my life that was in events and weddings. I was a professional, so I didn't have anyone that I could look to for that for a mentor. But my father owned his own medical practice and my mother runs his medical practice for him. So I looked up to them like it was, you know, like they were my mentors and they were. They helped me with so many different things of how to run business, how to not run business, financials, things like that. Um, and without them, honestly, I don't know if I would be where I am with, um, just because of their knowledge and expertise. Cause my father has run his business for more than 35 years. Um, so it's more just making sure I do it the right way because a medical business and event and wedding planning business is completely different, but they are still a business. You still have to get profit. You still have to do, you know, you still have to have your margins. You still have to have your percentages. You still have to have, you know, you have to make your payments, your bills, all that kind of stuff. That all stuff stays the same. And, you know, when I self-taught myself everything with events going through them in high school and college and things like that, I self-taught myself all that because I knew I could because I had the business end, you know, kind of, I want to say covered with my, with my parents, um, but definitely more so I knew that they would help me out, set me on the right path, help that me with things. That foundation was there. Yes, exactly. And, you know, as I was finishing college, I knew that I needed to have some business management. So I honestly, I kind of just threw together a last minute minor, which is business management, just because I knew, you know, that I was essentially not, I want to say not doing anything with my degree. I was more so of raised, you know, no matter if you have a degree in something, even if you're not doing anything with it, it's going to be 10 times better. So even if I knew I was like, you know, what, I love weddings and events, I'm kind of feeling I'm going to stray away from being a cop. I knew I needed to finish my degree and have something because that's going to help me even being a business owner, just practices and the homework and the things like that. And I can't stress enough, you know, education is huge and it's just, it's, it's changed so much so quickly, but it's just definitely something that I feel like I want to say you have to do one way or another, but it, you know, go get, you know, associate's degree or whatever you can. Cause it's, it's going to help out. Like I said, I, I want to say I wasted a lot of it but I have a criminal justice degree that I'm doing literally zero with, but my business management, my minors and the class and stuff that I learned through there, through my sociology classes, through the psychology that's included in criminal justice, that helped me a lot with how I operate the, you know, the internal communication sales process with it. Um, but yeah, so that would say for sure a mentor. And then I would say, instead of just, you know, a couple of other items to look into, find what you operate the most and the best off of. Some people, that's going to be books. Some people, it can be podcasts. Some people, it can honestly be YouTube videos. You know, I see tons of people just sit there looking at YouTube videos, looking up whatever, and they learn how to do it from those. So, I mean, personally, to me, I was more of an in-person, you know, you got to do it and you got to fail or you got to be successful and then the you can experience. move. Yes. And that's how I would operate, but not everyone operates like that. So I would say find what works best for you, because if you try to adapt and if you try to mesh yourself into learning and gaining experience and knowledge from something that you're not comfortable with, you're going to either it's not going to be portrayed correctly or you're just not going to enjoy it. You know, like I'm not going to sit here. Honestly, I'm not a big book reader, so I'm not going to sit here and try to learn things from reading a big book because I'm not going to enjoy it. Yeah, I could learn some things and stuff like that, but I would much, much rather just the way I am and why I'm wired, I'd much rather listen to a podcast or watch something on YouTube. I could listen to a podcast in my truck or whatever that is and something on YouTube. Okay, we're all going to be sitting in front of our laptops and our computers and our phones all the time. So it's much better than that. And I'm just, you know, I'm just not a big reader. So why would I, you know, I sit here and try to learn a lot from reading when I could probably find the exact same information on YouTube or from podcasts in one way or another, something like that. Just find something that you care about. Like I said, some people can be books. Some people can be whatever. Some people can just be reading articles online. Just find something that you care about. Make sure that it, and what you're reading or what you're seeing, listening to 
poor trace to what you do as a living or what you want to do as a living or what you're passionate about. Because if you're just doing that just to gain general knowledge, you're kind of going to get bogged down. You should find something that you care about first and then kind of get the background information off of that and build yourself off of that instead of trying to kind of what I view as, you know, get your um, generic education classes in for college, things like that kind of just do it backwards, you know, kind of fill, you know, find your major, find what you are hundred percent for sure, how you want to do it and the thing you want to do it. And then kind of fill the rest in with, you know, okay, I'm going to read this article because it kind of portrays to what I listened to or what I watched this morning or yesterday or whatever it was and kind of do it that way versus, you know, just trying to adapt and be like, oh, you know, they have a great podcast series. So I'm, even though I hate podcasts for whatever reason, you know, I'm not saying that's a fact, but I'm just saying you're of a book, you know, I'm not going to say, Hey, I hate books. I need to read all 20 of these books because they are associated with the video or whatever. It's just not something I'm going to want to do. So why would I want to do it? You know, like that. So it's just find something a, that you're passionate about and then do it. And, but find a way that you enjoy doing to learn and gain the experience and the knowledge and things like that for me, for sure. It's meeting with people, it's talking with them, getting a cup of coffee, or if it means executing an event and we each do our own thing and then we sit down afterwards saying the pros and cons and every kind of thing, no matter what it is, that's what I like. Some people are going to like to operate like that. Some people, like I said, like to read. Some people like to watch, do whatever, but find what you feel like is going to be passionate and that you're going to care about the most because I can't, like I said, kind of boils back down the psychology thing. If you sit there and try to do something that you're not going to want to do and you don't care about, you're just not going to sit. It's the information that you're trying to learn is not going to set in the way you want it to. It's just not going to work. Totally. So from everything that you're saying, it sounds like you also have a really good like self-identity knowledge. Like, you know yourself well enough that you know what, you know, what mediums are going to help you learn the most and everything like that. And I think that's super valuable because I think a lot of people just dive into education no matter what it is. And they're just like, okay, well, I really like this and I should do this and I should do this and I should do this. And then it just either like bounces off and then doesn't retain or they absorb some, but it's not as much as they could be absorbing. And so I know for me personally, like doing things like an Enneagram quiz or like the Myers-Briggs or different things like that and learning how I best learn because I'm very similar to you in that I need the experience. Like I just need to get out and get my hands dirty and make the mistakes and do all of the things instead of just like sitting and watching. Um, Cause for me, that makes me almost like more fearful to like, just go out and do it because you're like preparing yourself and different things like that. So going back to that experience um, you know, one of the things that I always love asking all my guests about is mistakes that they've made that make them a better business person today. So give us a couple situations of what you've run into, maybe just specifically for um, the time that you've had for O2. Yeah. Um, So I, I would probably say something that's, you know, mistakes that we've made while 402 has been around um is it's definitely i would say more so of the things that we view the most which is our communication and i want to say our sales process but our communication process and this how we execute things because you're not you know you're not going to be 100% familiar with everything that you have to do every single day you're going to learn more stuff every day i learn new things every day i'm sure you learn new things every day regardless if it's you know for us new planning techniques or new things to do that way or in yours like if it's a new you know, kind of set up new gear, new computer, new editing software, something like that. Like you're always going to learn things. So just, you know, make sure that, you know, you always are open to learning new things. Um, and I don't want to say when I, when I first started that I was kind of shut off to doing things a different way or more efficiently, things like that. 
but it was, you know, I was so close to every single aspect of the company. I had to touch on every single aspect at any given time because I did not want to let it go. Um, but if I would have been more open and been more, I want to say adaptive, but kind of in that realm when I first started, now it's completely different because I've learned and it was, it was a terrible process to get through it. But if I would have known this beginning, I could have been, I want to say been where we are now when I first started, but it could have been, you know, I don't know what it could have been because I didn't do it. I would say whenever you first start a business, no matter who you let in, your employees, your family, things like that, always be down to adapt, learn and change things around because I don't want to say like it, that I wasn't able to change things around, but I was definitely more shut off to other people's ideas, um, their ways to do things, their communication processes, their, you know, rules, technique, policies, all that good stuff. I don't want to say that I was shut off, but I was definitely more so of just being like, Oh, this is my company. I'm going to do it my way because I know that it works well. In reality, I did not know anything, you know, you know, zero, even when you do all this work and you take so much, you know, time out of your life to educate yourself on whatever it is, you're not going to know that stuff. Like people are going to know more and different stuff, no matter, you know, who you are, where you are. It's just, it's, it's what happens, you know, that's just what's going to happen. So I would say for sure, the biggest thing is Take advice, take things that people tell you, even if it's good, the bad, they're ugly. When you're first starting off, you want the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because like I said earlier, even if it's terrible things, you know, ugly or things like that, it's more so of how you pick yourself up and move on. It's not that you fall or that you fail. It's you're human. That's going to happen. You just, like I said, it's 100% of how you pick yourself up and move on. And when people see that, they know that it's better. And when people know when you first start, oh, hey, let's adapt and let's change things around. Let's you know, completely change how we operate things. And, you know, recently I have done that because I have the, you know, the fantastic team where I can do that. But back then I was just like, so iffy, I didn't have people I really trusted. I didn't have anything like that. So I was just more so of, I want to do it my way because I know it's, you know, something that I can deal with. I can touch on, I can manage, but in reality, I want to say that I should have listened to other people, but you know, I want to say that we could have gotten further where we, you know, further than we are now or quicker than we are now. But who knows? Like, you know, that's the thing of like, I never want to turn down an opportunity now being three years, more than three years into it, knowing that I never want to turn down an opportunity like that. I wish I would have had that mindset when I first started saying, oh, you know, like, I'm going to just going to go, I'm going to build this business. I'm going to bootstrap and I'm going to do some crazy things with it, but I'm going to start off and doing it this way. Or, but I want to, you know, do it. I want to say a testing or a field test or things like that, but kind of similar things where you can just get people's reactions to how you do certain things and build it into that. Cause I was more so of Nope, doing it this way. I don't care what you say or how you do it because I know how to do it and it's better. I shouldn't have done like that, but that, that is, is, is my big thing for when you first start off and do something like that. And that's, you know, with, you know, with, I did mine, but the other one um, is honestly something that I would say that came down the road before I started 402 um, and it was, it was a big deal. Like it was a very, very big deal. Long story short. Um, I was essentially the general manager for a company where the owner of the company was a massive fraud. Um, long story short, the, the previous owner stole, I think it was like $7.8 million, um, from people in United States, mostly from Omaha, Nebraska, things like that. Um, and it was from fake airline travel vouchers and I'm not going to say any names or anything like that, but it was one of the worst times of my life for an entire year. Um, just because we had a fantastic team there and this company was meant for weddings and events. So we had 35 people there and that granted, there's a huge, like, this is one of the things that I was talking about earlier where you just don't do things like this. Like I don't need a 35 person team. Yeah. I've got a big team, but the way that they operated is they had four different teams and it was just too much. It was no, but anyways, 
back to the story. It was just more so of we had no idea what she was doing behind the scenes. Um, and we were essentially selling these vouchers for her because we were getting a cut of the sale. We didn't know how she got them or anything like that, but I was 22, 23 years old and I was making honestly an ungodly amount of money for the age that I was in. And every single person that was a company that was a part of the company then was doing the same thing. So all of us loved the job because a, we did weddings and events and we loved them and all that kind of stuff. But we also sold these voucher things. I mean, I wish we knew more of. But, but we, you were making good money. Yeah, you didn't we know. Were, I was making like stupid money. Like I was honestly, I like I was making more money than a lot of people that I know that are 40 or 50, 60. Like it was just insane. And I was like, I love this. Like this is good money. We get to travel all the time because of it because we use them all the time. Little did I know it was just honestly a massive pyramid scheme, just a, a big, big scam. And I wish I did that because I got burned the worst. Because me, like I said, this is this is the company where I kind of built it. So I kind of took over the GM role. Um, and the owner, when she found out that this was all happening, she was non-existent. And since I was second in charge, I had to deal with it all. And it got to the point where people would take these flight vouchers for their weddings, for their bachelorette parties, bachelor parties, all that kind of stuff. And it got to the point where people couldn't fly out. And it was a week before they were supposed to travel. And we were having a lines of people at our office that was blocks long for all these angry people complaining about that they couldn't fly because these vouchers, they paid, but they didn't get their confirmation number back. And the people were threatening to kill us. There was We had multiple bomb threats. Like we, I called the police and the police had to sit there for a week straight from open to close and walk all of us to our cars because people were threatening to kill us, all that kind of stuff. And we had nothing to do with it. We had zero idea of what was going on because she never said anything. She would just give us the information and the codes and whatever we needed for when we sold them. We didn't know that it was all fake. And then the news happened and it was just a massive mess. Lo and behold, found out that she was a massive fraud, stole that much money. And then all of us employees, especially like the high level ones, the managers, their next year of their life was the worst part of my life. It was the worst part of their lives. And honestly, it was one of the worst part of my lives my life, not only a, did I not have a job? I couldn't get another job because I worked for this company for about two years. I couldn't just not leave it on my resume. Cause I was like, well, people are going to be like, well, what the hell did you do for two years? I'm like, well, you know, I, and then I would have to have the story anyways. So it was more so I couldn't get a job. And then just putting that down on a resume, it's just terrible, terrible things. Cause it was all over the news. And then a, the money that I had to spend for my attorneys, all that kind of stuff, because I was interviewed by the department of justice, the FBI, the city, you know, the state, all that kind of stuff was absolutely insane. Um, so the, all the money that I made, you know, that I was talking about being, you know, all that kind of wealthy 22, 23, 24 year old, all that kind of good stuff out the window. You know, I lost so much money um, through that because we did nothing wrong, but she tried to put it on us. So we had to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to defend us against every single governmental agency. Lo and behold, it found it came to be that us four, us four big managers were one of the main or the four main reasons that she is still now sitting in federal prison is because the information that we gave about her and all that kind of stuff was just absolutely it was mind blowing. Like we had probably an eight foot tall stack of just papers of just incriminating, incriminating evidence, things like that, that we would have. And then all of us also, we felt so bad for a lot of these clients when they were flying out, we would. I want to say it was customary sometimes for like weddings or big end ones. We would use our own credit cards and pay for people's flights. And then the owner would reimburse us. It worked for a while, but then when everything hit the fan, the check started to bounce. And there was a couple other employees that lot, like their checks were much, much bigger than mine. Granted, I lost $8,000 from that whole ordeal on top of whatever, you know, my attorney's fees, 
this was just for me buying the flights for a wedding for them to take the flights that they purchased from me. And so I bought on my own credit card saying, Hey, I'm going to get your flights all the way down there. I did. I bought them back. She gave me a check and it bounced. So, I mean, it was just, it was a, I was, I want to say I was broke, but I mean, I was, I was broke. It was, it was, I had no money. I had no job. No one wanted to hire me because they all thought of everything that was going on. And then that is what honestly lit the fire underneath of me to just, all right, this is the time where I'm going to put this into action. I'm going to finish my business plan, put into action because everything I learned from that terrible, terrible idea is how not to run a business, how not to do things. But the team that we had there was unreal. I'm obviously some people were just, you know, something of that, but I still use, I still have some of those people on my team. That's because we became so close through that terrible, terrible ideal of just all that kind of good stuff. But that is one thing that I would honestly say that a lot of people, A, don't know about me. B, that's a lot of the reasons why I do things the certain ways. Like a lot of people complain about our contracts because they're long and things like that. But I also am just like, do you really want me to sit here and go into this story of why I do things the way I do them? Like, yeah, I would much rather you sign this X amount of pages contract, cover your butt, cover mine, than have any of those kind of issues ever happen. And so that's why I bite off of that stuff, you know, all the time, just because I've seen terrible, terrible things happen. They've happened to me. And I'm just going to make sure that that's never going to happen to my employees, my clients, everything like that. So that's why we build a lot of the stuff and do the way things that we do is honestly built off of that whole experience because it was a terrible, terrible thing. And I don't want anyone to ever go through that, but yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's crazy. And yeah, that was a huge, huge ordeal. And I'm sure you remembered. I'm sure you remember it. I remember it. Yeah. Uh, it was just when I was getting started too. And so, um, yeah, man. So how do you feel like that? Has that affected your relationships with other vendors negatively or do you feel like enough time has passed that you're like dude this is me I'm like you've kind of created those relationships yourself or mended them or you know like how has that process so been? I, w- I would totally say that it, the time is there's definitely been enough time and people have definitely seen what I operate with my company and how I do it completely different with me and my stuff versus anything in the past um, and there was even, I'm not going to say names or anything like that, but there was definitely, um, a company that I tried to reach out to. And I honestly, I begged, um, when I was going through this whole process, I was like, I love what you guys do, how you guys operate, what you guys do. And if they do listen to this, they'll know exactly who they are. Um, but it's more so of now we work with them every single weekend. Like I communicate with them probably at least three or four times a week with the owners, with the staff, things like that. And that was honestly, when I went through all that and I tried to get hired, I called and I was, you know, I kind of put tears in my eyes, things like that, because I really wanted the job and I really wanted to stay in the wedding and event industry and I was going to do whatever it took. Um, but like I said, now I just, I talk to him all the time. We go back and forth. We're good friends, all that stuff. And it's just more so if she knew that I picked myself up from that situation and built myself into this awesome, awesome thing and just trucked forward. And she knew that I was a good hearted person back when I did that because she was like, you're a good person, but you're just associated with this. I can't have that with my company. And I was like, now that I built it the way I am now, you know, I definitely feel like, cause when people see where I am, what I've done, all that kind of stuff, they're like, okay, obviously like, you know what you're doing. Like, let's get back, you know, let's, whatever happened in the past is the past. And that's what we work off of. And I don't think I've had one person that views that negatively anymore some people that don't really know me or the company too well, they're just like, oh, that kind of happened, things like that. But when they hear my conversation and my story behind it, they're always just like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I love how you did it that way or whatever it is. And, but, you know, I'm sure there's still some people out there that hear that and they're like, oh yeah, he was involved or whatever. I'm like, no, I, I really wasn't. Like, if you, if you really know me and if you see me and if you see how passionate I am about what I do and things like that, you would understand that I would never, you know, like, 
there's no need, there's no want for me to ever do anything like that. Like I, I don't go through and try to, you know, take advantage of people that, you know, I could potentially care about that I could execute huge things for and try to screw them out of money. Like that's just not the operate the way that I would operate and things like that. Like me personally, I would much rather lose money or lose some profit or whatever it is for my company to make sure that an event or a client is 10 times happier than to go through something like that. Like, it's just like, obviously like the, you know, the old owner's in prison and she's never going to have the same life ever again. And I've never, ever, 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 ever going to want to go through anything like that. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. So let's talk about 402 and what you've built it into and like, who's your ideal client? What makes you guys different than other planners in town? And just kind of give us a rundown on everything that you guys have to offer. We'll talk pricing, we'll talk your processes, different things like that. But let's just start with who you guys love to work with and uh, how people can kind of get started in your process. Yeah. Um, so the easiest way to kind of explain that stuff, the way that we always tell our people is we don't have specific budget range or we don't have a minimum or a maximum or things like that. Um, we always tell people we can work with people that have a small, small budget that's, you know, four figures, but we also can and have worked people that are five figures that are six figures, things like that. And we, the way that we operate and how we do internally is no matter how many events that we have on any given day or any given weekend, we have a maximum. Um, so regardless if it's a planning packages or if it's production, things like that, we have a maximum that we can do, not just for the inventory or the staff, but we know when it's too much for us. Um, and the way that we operate is we're not just a one man or a two woman shop or whatever it is. We have a full-time team and then we have a huge part-time team. And the reason that I built the company off of it and built it this way is because there's obviously other wedding planners. There's obviously other companies and things like that, but they're all one woman shows, two woman shows, things like that. And that's not to say anything bad about them in any way, shape or form. It's just not how I wanted to do it, how I wanted to run my business. And that's because I wanted to be able to touch on multiple different facets of events at any given time at any given day. Um, and that's not to say that the same people that, you know, where it's a one woman shop, things like that, and they have one weekend, a wedding or one wedding a weekend or whatever it is where they do much less years. I don't want anyone to ever think that the service or the communication or what they get is going to be any different because we execute more. That's why we have the team that we do. So your dedicated coordinator, or your dedicated planner, or your dedicated production team is going to do the exact same things that you're going to get regardless if we have five or if we have zero. It's just the way of how we operate them because you have a dedicated person to do this, a dedicated person to do that, et cetera, et cetera. And that's just a structure that we wanted to build off of because I knew it would work. Um, I know the area that they're in. I know the demographic that we're in. You know, we're not, you know, the coast things like that where they have stupid amounts of money, but the Midwest operates a certain way, different than California, different than Florida, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I just knew what people wanted and what people needed. And so I wanted to build that, our the way that we offered our services and our pricing into that, you know, and I don't want to say there's nothing bad about anything, you know, people charge way more than us, but there's definitely people that charge less than us. And I don't, I'm not talking bad about the people that charge more or the people that charge less, but we charge what we do because we have the ability to do that. We have a full-time team where we can bring in people and do whatever it takes versus where some people don't, they have to make it worthwhile for them because they're a one woman show or a one man show or two, whatever it is, they have to make it worthwhile because they're going to put so much more time into being one person instead of where we have, a team of people that work on executing like our dream, our, our big dream planning packages. We have a team of people that work on it. The week's going up to it, not just one person doing all of the tasks that are necessary. We've got multiple people doing it and that's just how we're able to do it the way we are. And then with production, we just know exactly like, cause we can split up into multiple teams, things like that. We know what the maximum for each team or what each person is or our inventory or things like that is. 
But we also know, depending on the size and the magnitude, some of them, we can only do one a weekend because it's, you know, A, it's out of town. It's going to be a two-day install, but we're also clearing the shelves. You know, it's going to have thousands of feet of lighting. It's going to have thousands of feet of draping, things like that. We definitely do those, but we definitely do ones that are much, much smaller where we can do seven a weekend, where we can do 10 a weekend, things like that. And people still are going to have the same product and service, even if we have 10 a weekend, if they would have one. And that's the way, and that's why we do things the way we do them because we essentially don't want, I wouldn't say that we don't want people to know, but we don't want people to think that just because we're doing a multiple events that they're going to have any kind of subpar service or product because that's not, you know, that's not true in any way, shape or form. We just know how to do it. We honestly, we just know how to grind out a lot of good, extremely high quality service products and events. That's just how we operate. We know what our minimums, you know, how we operate, what, you know, what we require for things. And we will not ever differentiate from that. Um, so that's just one way of how we're different, how we can execute and, and grind out multiple different events in different capacities any given day. Um, but it's just more so of we love working with good people. Like we don't just want to say and pick out, you know, favorite vendors or favorite venues or favorite clients or favorite type of clients, depending on their budget, things like that. You could have a $10,000 budget and you could be the same type of person where we love working with you. You would never guess that, you know, you're not throwing down X amount of dollars, whatever it is. It's you know, whatever people want to spend on their money is what they want to spend on their money. And that's, you know, our big thing when we go through and help people depending on their package and their budgeting, things like that. Like we honestly go through like a lifelike story. Like you still have to be able to afford a house. If you have kids, you have to be able to afford your kids. You have to have all that kind of stuff. Like we go through and do a realistic budget breakdown with them. So we're not sitting there. Okay. You know, you say you walk, you know, you want a hundred thousand dollar wedding, but do you have a house? Do you have kids? Like you should probably cut X amount of dollars out of that to ensure that nothing's going to happen with them or that you're not going to be financially strained after the wedding. Because yes, we want you guys and all of our clients to have the best and most beautiful weddings on the face of the planet, beautiful events. But there is, you know, what we say is there is a thing is too much. And you, and we always tell people you still have to live after the fact. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that clients still can't afford hundred, two thousand, you know, huge weddings, things like that. But most of them in the Midwest cannot, it's just, it's just the way the Midwest is. It's things like that. We're a blue collar area. And I love that. I would much rather, I wouldn't, I would never move to the coast or anything like that. It's just, I would love that, but it's, you know, we just have to build our stuff off of that. Like we can't just go off of pricing for LA and Miami coast and things like that and expect it and hope it to work. I'm sure some clients would, but no, it's just, you have to build it differently. And we just work with good people. Like, and that's across with vendors, you know, such as yourself or venues, things like that. There's definitely people that we've worked with where we're just like, okay, like this kind of person is honestly not someone we want to continue. I want to say continue doing business, but that we enjoy doing continued business with. Or there's definitely some people where it's like, all right, we love you guys. We love how you operate. Let's always do this. We're always going to recommend you things like that. And just because we have so many people, like I said, that are vendors, that are venues, third parties, anything like that that are kind of on the flip side that, you know, want us to always promote them. And then we always want, you know, them to promote us, things like that. And what I always tell clients is if you feel comfortable doing it, you know, don't always push our cards out. That's fine. Like I want you to feel comfortable doing it, excuse me. And I want them to want something that we offer. Like, I don't want you to always push us down. People say, Oh, Hey, you need a, you know, day of coordinator 402. You need, you know, draping 402, all that kind of stuff. You know, if you feel that we're a good fit, then throw us in there. And that's what we do for all of our clients, all of our vendors, all of our venues, all of our third parties, because we are on such good terms with so many people. We can't just sit here and be like, okay, you are always, you know, when a, com a couple comes to us and they get our biggest planning package, we're always just going to call these same seven people and they're just going to get all of them booked. We're going to figure out what works best for that client, for that area, for that pricing. 
And that's just something that's going to set us apart from a lot of different people is just because we work with so many different people in so many different aspects and so many, so many different capacities. You know, sometimes we have 25 vendors for a wedding just because, you know, we have to bring in you know, small miscellaneous things, but it's just more so of, you know, and then on the flip side with the clients, we can do beautiful things with small amounts of money and we can do beautiful things with big amounts of money. A lot of it comes down to what you want, what's your, you know, what are your must have versus your must nots, things like that. Like what are your, what's your, I want to say what's your color palette because everyone's going to have one, but it's more so of, you know, the building that you want to have. And do you want like a castle or do you want like, you know, a new, you know, type of modern feel venue with, you know, all the, the you know, the brush concrete floors or whatever that kind of stuff is. It's just more so of working and just dealing with people because a lot, I want to say a lot of companies say that they have a budget or a minimum or things like that. We don't, and we never will. But it's just more so of like, even if you walk in and you're like, hey, I only want X amount of dollars, a tiny amount of lighting, then still, you know, come to us because we're not going to say here and be like, hey, we have a minimum of a thousand bucks or whatever it ends up being. And I'm not saying it's, a, you know, bad for people that do. It's just not the way that we operate. Some people operate 100% differently. So they do. And that's fine. They execute gorgeous and beautiful things. We just operate much differently just because I know how I want to work things and how I want to be able to work with people with all different budgets, all different likes of walks of life, execute, you know, weddings and corporate and social, all that kind of good stuff. So it's just hard to sit here and, you know, go through. And I mean, we for sure obviously have favorite places to be in, favorite people to work with, things like that. But it's just going across the board of, you know, people that we always work with. There's pretty much zero. Awesome. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that you would like to share either with fellow vendors or um, potential couples, couples who are planning their wedding, um, stuff like that on things that you wish people knew or anything, you know, just anything else that you would want yeah, so to share? I, I would probably just say that, you know, the big thing with us that I would want to share is, you know, your you know, clients and people, the event for vendors, people are going to want to work with us that know how we operate. When people kind of see us and things like that, there's like, this is a new company, they're younger, things like that. They have a certain thing in their head that makes them think certain things that are not true. But once you work with us and start working and communicating with us on a regular basis, things like that, they're going to want to continue to work with us because I know what we produce and I know how we operate. And, and I'll be honest, I, I believe it's damn good. So, and that's what I just want to tell people, you know, make sure that you find the people that you know are going to care. And no matter what we do for an event, if it's something simple, or something as complicated as the full planning and full design and full production, make sure you find the people that are going to care and that are going to produce the things that you want. Um, and some of the times that means people are going to can work with us. You know, if it's a vendor reaching out to us to do something, or if it's a client just reaching out to book us, whatever it is, you know, if people are going to want to book us because they like how we operate and how we, you know, and how we do things, how we execute weddings and how we produce them and things like that, sometimes this isn't going to work for work out for everyone. But if people just know who we are, how we operate and just see like, okay, you know, they do do multiple events a day, but their service and their quality and their product is top notch, things like that, they will understand and see it. So it's just more so of just, and I'm not saying just for us in general, but you know, give the people that you're reaching out to a chance. It's more so of do your due diligence of doing research, looking at reviews, talking to other vendors about the company, whatever it is. Like, obviously you're going to spend more time trying to do your due diligence to find some, you know, information about a planner, like a full service planner versus someone that's just coming in to drop off a backdrop or something like that. So, I mean, and obviously each one's going to be different, but just do your due diligence. And I, you know, we, we do a bite off of that. So if we say, Hey, if you're going to go talk to someone, they're going to have something good to say. And that's just the way that we strive because we never want anyone to have a negative taste in their mouth about us, regardless if it's a client vendor venue, whatever it is, we just try not to, but we also on the flip side of that, we also tell people our clients and what we produce in our events 
is is top you know is top notch if we do have to do one thing or another we want the client to be happier like than let's just say another vendor or another vendor things like that because the client even if the client is happy and the other vendors if we're upset like if we were on site at a wedding and we yelled at each other or whatever i would much rather have the client be happy and come up and hug us both than to be pissy and not hug one of us or take care of one of us or whatever it is because that's going to go 10 times further for all of us because that means that client's going to recommend both of us better one person better or you know versus just not at all it's just like i said a lot of it boils back down to psychology how you work things how you tell people certain things certain times it's just more so find the people that you know are going to care and just do your due diligence and finding people that are passionate stuff like that like obviously people that do more that are more involved things like that are more passionate than people that just kind of sit there and just let people come to them like you have to get involved like you have to talk to other vendors you have to talk to clients things like that like you can't just sit there and just let people come to you yet you know and, and and expect it to work out the way that you want it to all the time and that's just kind of why we are always engaged why we're always communicating why we'll always do anything that we can to make a relationship better with the vendor or make a relationship better with the client whatever it is because that's you know that is key totally awesome well thank you for sharing everything that you did it is very obvious that you're passionate about <laughs> weddings and what you do and it's been great chatting so before we wrap up um could you tell everyone where we can find 402 yeah, absolutely um and also I, I appreciate you inviting me to come out here because this was you know i like doing things like this because it gets us involved kind of boils back down to what i say interacting with different vendors having fun getting good relationships set um but you can find us on facebook um, 402 event services our website 402 event services.com um, we're on instagram 402 event services we're on we're better business bureau listed we're on google we're on the knot we're on the wedding wire we are on pretty much everything that you could possibly think of um so wherever you find us like i said take a look at our reviews our pictures stuff like that and you'll, and you'll see the products that we produce awesome well thank you very much and not, we'll chat soon not a problem thank you very much appreciate being here all right so what'd you think it's quite obvious that steven is super passionate about what he does and being a male in a female-dominated industry, I think he has created something really unique and special here in the Midwest. It was crazy to hear about his past experiences with other companies and everything like that, and I so appreciated him being open and honest with us. So as always, special thank you to Stephen for coming on the podcast. Thank you to all of our guests who have been a part of the first couple of episodes we have a whole bunch of guests coming up, including Carrie Dayton, a wedding planner. We've got the Mullers. We've got Brett Bruner. So you'll definitely want to keep an eye out for episodes. I'm thinking next week I might try the two episodes a week. So let me know if you're looking forward to that. Again, you can interact with us on Instagram at Nebraska Wedding Podcast. Or you can go listen to all of the old episodes on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or on my website, www.laceworkfilms.com. All right, guys, it's been another week. Thank you so much for being here, and I'll see you soon. Bye.